the backyard brawl, y'all. How about that game? Pitt wins 38 to 31. But there's so much more to talk about, good and bad for Pitt, and of the backyard brawl itself. Folks, let's talk the backyard brawl and Pitt's first win of the 2022 season here on this episode of Locked on Pitt. Our Locked on Pitt, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, everybody. It's a happy edition because Pitt defeated West Virginia 38-31 in one of the best backyard brawls I can remember ever happening. And this one's going to be replayed for many years to come, folks. What a game this was. And I want to talk all about it. Takeaways, certain things that happened in this game, what we learned. There is so much to discuss in this one, folks. Today's episode of Lockdown Pit is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And, folks, I don't know where to start with this game. There's so much to talk about from the pregame atmosphere to what happened in the game when, when you heard right away the, the type of intensity that Pitt fans had and, and the student section filled up very quickly and the WVU band was going out to rehearse and they got called a very bad word. And it was, you could hear that. And obviously the, the term of endearment that WVU uses towards Pitt, the eat Pitt uh, is, is obviously something as well. So it, it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was good. And, and you could feel the rivalry and it was fun and it was awesome. This was a phenomenal football game. It was an anxious one if you were a fan of Pitt or West Virginia, but what a football game this was. Overall, this is why regional rivalries are so good. And that's the big thing here is backyard brawl should be back every freaking year. Why in the world is this game? Why did we miss this for 11 years? That's the question. How did we miss this for 11 years, guys? 11 years. What a game. This was, and this was special. And it's even more special to me the way it ended in that not the catch or the not so catch, I guess is what it would be. Uh, Reese Smith almost making that probable catch on fourth and 16, but not actually making it. But the bigger thing was MJ Devonshire winning it. How about the hometown kid, the, the Aliquippa kid coming here? We've heard of Quips making that type of impact in the brawl before Darrell Reeve. It's obviously with that famous punt return. But we've seen it before, and this is so great to see. It is so great to see. What a way to end it. What a what a great way, and I think an, uh, a really almost picture book way of ending this game, having the Pittsburgh kid put it down. Really thought that was great. But let's talk about the good and the bad of this game, guys, because there's a lot of good, and trust me when I say this, there's a lot of bad in this one, too. Because when you look at Pitt's performance today, I don't know how you can't help but be a little bit worried about their future at times. Because, let's be real here, a lot of facets of this team weren't very good. The linebackers struggled today, and that rushing defense was not good at all. I mean, 
West Virginia went 33 for 190, 5.8 yards per carry. And if you eliminate JT Daniels' sack stats, which is five for negative 23, I mean, that's a stark difference. That's easily over six yards per carry. This rushing defense was not good today. And C.J. Donaldson ate them up. They allowed six explosive runs on the game. It was just not a good game for this pit run defense whatsoever. And that's concerning. And then the secondary struggled at times. And they made some really boneheaded penalties. Some really boneheaded penalties. We had that, you know, illegal substitution. We had uh, Habbal Nado getting a really bad uh, unsportsmanlike conduct call early on. There's a lot of bad penalties in this one. Now, there were some penalties that were unfortunately unavoidable for Pitt, like Marquez Williams' defensive pass interference on the final drive, where that ball was just so underthrown. What else is he going to do? But this game, it was it was up and down for Pitt. There's so many positives, and there's so many negatives. And the negatives are that Pitt appeared to be a very sloppy team today. Bub Means dropped the football and then dropped the ball and essentially fumble it and lost it. Then West Virginia did the same thing back. But you saw those flashes of a really good team, too. It was week one. And this is why team schedule is cupcake for week one, because folks often they look like this. This was not a good game in terms of the quality of football. It was not like there was a good football in this game. This was sloppy. There was a lot of bad plays in this one. A lot of Pitt just hurting themselves. Uh, especially early on and later when they went down 31-24. You could 100% see them hurting themselves. Penalties, uh, drops, Keaton Slovis running into some sacks. You saw some really, really questionable stuff. Bad tackling, not holding the edge. Not getting your head around. I mean, it, it, there was a lot to worry about in terms of the flaws of this team. And it, it re- simply was not a good game if you were looking for clean football. Basically, if you were looking for that crisp, clean football game, you ain't got it here, folks. And there was a lot of flashes in this game, too. From a lot of guys. But there was plenty to worry about. The game plans are something to worry about. What was the early game plan in this game? As it went on, we seemingly got a little bit more and more clarity into what Pitt was trying to do. We had a bad pump by Sam Vanderhaar early on. I mean, there was so much to this game that was good. And there was so much that just was like, what is going on? And Pitt just hurting themselves. And really, uh, the delay of game on the defense allowing them for a first down. You saw a lot of weird stuff. Sloppy tackling, bad penalties. It all happened. False starts and sportsmanlike conducts and all of that stuff. There was a lot of flaws for Pitt in this game. But ultimately, it's better to win while figuring out your flaws. And that's the biggest thing here. Now, before we go on, I want to discuss Keaton Slopes because I think he's the storyline of tonight, but we can also intertwine that with a bunch of other things. 
the, the box score for Keaton Slovis looks pretty good. 16 of 24, 308 yards, a touchdown, 67% completion percentage. That QB rating all the way up at 188.2. That's good. I mean, those are great stats for Keaton Slovis. But that stat, those stats don't show the whole story. And that's something that I, I think we have to look at. He did flash today. He absolutely flashed. He made a really nice throw very early on to Jared Wayne up the seam that I thought was great. Um, that final drive that he had was great. You love to see that. That was him in a rhythm. That was 2019 Keen Slovis. But he also struggled today. And I didn't think he played particularly well. He ran into a few sacks. Three or four of them were on him. His pocket management was just bad today. It really was just bad today. He created pressure where there wasn't. I thought the offensive line pass protection-wise was not bad today. I thought Keen Slovis created a lot of pressure for himself. And that was a big issue that I encountered with Keaton Slovis today. The miss to Mumfield, the near pick, he made some weird decisions in that regard. And when he was going off his first read, he looked skittish in the pocket, and that's when his pocket management kind of that pocket his pocket management kind of fell down, right? He got happy footed and he didn't really stay composed, cool, calm, collected. So when Pitt eventually started in the second half to simplify things for him a little bit, hit an RPO play, go on those quick rollouts, stuff like that, get him in a rhythm, that's when he really shined. And you have to give him the credit of what he did late in that game. Big dudes rise up in big moments, and he did. Him and Kanane Mumfield were great that drive. He hits Izzy Abani-Cannon, and Abani-Cannon takes it to the house to tie the game. He was really strong that drive. That was methodical. It had a rhythm to it, and he was playing really well. He was feeling himself, and he made a few really nice throws. There were certainly some things to worry about in this game. Again, I think that he struggled with his pocket management. I didn't think he processed the field very well today. I thought his accuracy deep ball-wise was spotty at times. The Mr. Mumfield sucked. Um, he, he should have had a deep ball to Bub Means that wasn't played super well, but Means should have caught it. But he had a he had that bad throw to Mumfield, too. There's a lot of bad to go over. And I didn't think it was his best stuff. But the positives, he comes out big time in the clutch, and you saw the flashes of the arm talent. You saw the flashes of what he was in 2019. And so you hope these are just the cobwebs. You can shake them off. And go with it. Maybe him and Frank Signetti have to work each other out. And that's something to look at as well. And I want to talk about Frank Signetti because that's certainly a topic to talk about as well on this offense. Very, very interesting in that regard. But first, folks, I want to give you guys the NHTSA drug reading. Because, folks, listen, if you feel different, you drive different, drive high, get a DUI. It's never okay to drive stone. And it's never okay. K to put someone else in danger. You put yourself and others in danger if you use marijuana in any form and get behind the wheel, folks. You do not need to get behind the wheel if you are high. Make sure you think about everyone else around you. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high. Get a DUI. All right, folks. Welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast. And we just got done talking about Keaton Slovis. I thought Keaton Slovis showcased a lot of things that he did at USC tonight. Now, 
he had at times to put this team on his back. And I've talked about this before where I think this is where he gets into trouble. If he has to carry the team, that is when you look at Keaton Slovitz and say, okay, we got to back up here. That's not necessarily where he thrives. It's not necessarily where he's at his best. He's at his best in a game manager type role. And so when I look at everything that Slovis did, there's good, there's bad, there's reasons to be optimistic about everything we saw, though. There absolutely is. Now, Signetti came out with a very weird game plan to me. I didn't understand this game plan. Why would you come out with the run-heavy approach? I know they wanted to run the football more, but it didn't make much sense to me. Uh, to just try and run the football through what is a really good front. We learned that today. Dante Stills was unblockable for West Virginia today. And Pitt's O-line couldn't handle that in the run game. Now, they started to get a rhythm going eventually. But early in the game, they really didn't get anything. It was bad to watch. It was really bad to watch. And Pitt's play calling was just weird. They did all these heavy sets. They brought Mack and Salvas in at times. To be a fullback, it was very weird. Six, seven O-linemen on the field at times. It was a very weird plan. I don't know why he decided to go so heavy. Because it really limited their stat, their play sheet, especially with Keen Slovis. In that type of package, you limit what you can do. So I'm not sure why he tried to go heavy. It felt like he tried to play bully ball and dare them to beat it. And, well, they didn't. Then he didn't adjust quite until maybe midway through the second quarter. He never quite got Keen Slovis in a rhythm early on. It felt like he was trying to force the game plan rather than adapting to what was going on. And I thought at halftime he made some nice adjustments. I thought he changed the the way of the, their running scheme. Right, they, they ran a ton of wide zone, and that's what they do. But I thought he changed it to where it was more spread out. You saw more 11 personnel. Um, you saw more 10 personnel, even. You saw more three-by-one sets, stacked sets. You saw more of that creativity with your receivers rather than with your tight ends or your offensive tackles if or guards or whoever you bring on to be that sixth, seventh guy on the offensive line because they lightened the boxes. And so they started finding more success by doing that. And that was even under center, right, where they had just Gavin Bartholomew in there or Bartholomew and Wright in there. But they would spread out the defense more, and it lightened the box, and it allowed guys like Rodney Hammond to really take over. And they started to chip them down eventually a little bit. And Rodney Hammond was the star of this game offensively for Pitt. What a game this guy had. I mean, really. I know Izzy Abanikanda is really good, and we know who he is. And he obviously had that big touchdown. But let's understand this. As of right now, I think that you absolutely have to think of him as running back one right now. And you ride the hot hand, definitely ride the hot hand. But when you look at what he did this year, Thus far, in that game against West Virginia, you can't help but be on that train. He's a tough runner. He's quick. He's just built different. Now, hopefully he's okay. 
He suffered an injury today as well. But you can see he looks great. He looks like Deion Lewis a lot out there. That same type of tough running style. He looks really good. Kanani Mumfield, I thought, looked great today. Jared Wayne looked good. But I thought Kanani Mumfield probably should have had a better game than he did on the box score. Five receptions for 71 yards. Yeah, but he probably should have had over 100 yards and maybe a touchdown or two. So there was a lot to go into this game offensively for Pitt. And there's a lot to go back and, and fix. All offensive line-wise, too, definitely need to get better at the point of attack run-blocking-wise. And you definitely do uh, need to keep kind of Slovis a little bit more clean because I did think at times there later in the game it did break down and all those weren't on Slovis. Um, so I do think that the offensive line has to work a little bit, especially that right side. Uh, but that'll come with time. That will come with time. So I think you look at Pitt right now offensively and you're like well they're a work in progress this is a team we don't truly know about just yet we don't know what their offense is so we 100 will see what Pitt develops into and what this offense actually becomes because again there is a feeling out period with each coordinator and quarterback and so you have to feel out things and you have to feel out your team too as an offensive coordinator. So I think it became more apparent in this kind of scheme of things that Pitt's probably better as a more 11 personnel team or a 12 personnel team rather than running all those heavy packages. I think it became more apparent that Pitt's probably more of a rhythm-based team where you maybe get the ball out a little quicker and let Keaton Slowis go on a script and you run more out of shotgun and maybe a little less under center and stuff like that. I think it became apparent of, of the type of team – that they are. And I thought Frank Sinead did do a good job of adjusting to that later in the game. So I think that, you know, there's that kind of feeling out period going on right now between Signetti, Slovis, the offense, and everything going around. You know, the, 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 the balance today, 38 rushes to 24 passes is a little bit too stark for me. Uh, I, I really would have rather seen them throw the football a little bit more because this is where you looked at West Virginia and you thought that their weakness was. And so I definitely thought that that was something that Pitt can work on. Next week, I think they got to pass the ball a little bit more and, and try to keep up with a fast tempo Tennessee team. We'll see what ends up happening in that regard. But I did think that Pitt came in today and was, and looked very much like a team that had a lot of transition offensively. And so Still put up 38 points, you take that, and you run with it, and you hope that it gets better because certainly you're in a lot of transition mode, and so Pitt is going to have to build on that. Regardless of what Keaton Slovis looked like, the offensive line, running backs, wide receivers, Signetti himself, whatever they looked like this week shouldn't be anything close to what they looked like in the final week of the season. This is, a, this is going to be a growing period. This is going to be a team that's going to get better and better and better, and should be because they have a lot of talent. And so I think that's the, the optimistic view of Keaton Slovis, maybe not having his best stuff. And it's the optimistic view of everything around this program, this offense right now, and the defense too. And we'll talk about that a little bit. I want to discuss the defense and some of the things here we learned about this team positively as well, because this was a win uh, for Pitt. But first, folks, let's go to a quick break. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Pit Podcast, everybody. And let's talk about the defense a little bit. Uh, 31 points, uh, pretty porous run defense. You knew that the pass defense was going to let up a few explosive plays. But I very much believe this. I very much believe that when you look at what Pitt did tonight, defensively, I thought there was a lot of good stuff. Just like I thought that when you looked at that Pitt offense, there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of bad. There's a lot of bad. I didn't think Bengali Kamara had a great second half. I thought he really struggled. When you look at what some of those runs, it was him losing contain, missing a tackle, but that first half he was phenomenal. And then the second half came along and he started to really struggle. It was a second half to forget for Bengali Kamara. But you also can feel it start to learn a little bit, right? He's going to feel it out a little bit. These young guys are going to feel it out a little bit. The secondary played pretty well, I thought. I know that Bryce Ford Wheaton went off, and there were some bad penalties, but I thought everyone in that secondary competed. I thought Eric Hout and Brandon Hill played well. I think MJ Devonshire and Bryce Ford Wheaton had a great game. I thought the that's what changed a lot of what happened in the passing game because – Really, West Virginia leaned on the rushing attack in the second half. And Daniels was fine, but I thought it changed once MJ Devonshire got on Bryce Ford Wheaton and really started to give him a little bit of fits. And and Devonshire played a heck of a game tonight. And again, that game-winning INT as well, you have to take that into account. What a game uh, for him. I, I think MJ Devonshire is going to be great. I, I like A.J. Woods' competitiveness. I think Marquez Williams didn't get thrown at a lot tonight, but I always love that guy. He's solid. Rashad Battle still growing into what he's going to become. The guy certainly is becoming more and more solid as his career goes on. Servasi Dennis did what he had to do. A little bit of a quieter game for Kalaja Kansi today, but he had two quarterback hits. John Morgan was big today, man. What a game this guy had. John Morgan was phenomenal. Had that big sack near the end of the game. Two QB hits, three tackles for loss. What a game for him. Uh, I was a big fan of John Morgan tonight. Um, I thought that the the interior of that D-line, Sans Cansey, uh, was a little bit iffy at times. David Green and Devin Danielson didn't bring their best stuff today. But again, those are veterans that have proven to be solid contributors for you. Uh, so you believe in what they're able to do. This defense has to work on communication, tackling, a lot of tackling, but that happens. That was a theme last year for Pitt. Remember the Tennessee Western Michigan games. And for the most part after that, it was pretty good aside from the Miami game. But that's something that they're going to have to work on. They need to be more disciplined and smarter um, because they did make some really bad penalties in this game. The defense really hurt themselves with that at times. And and they weren't super ball aware at times either, I didn't think. You know, you saw a lot of weird plays that happened. And, you know, Bryce Ward in circus catch on a third and long. Just a weird play. Just a weird play, but they got to be more ball aware, right? But also, you could see the, the aggressiveness. They're good blitzers. It found like the D line found themselves late. And th- this is the thing late in the game, late in this game, Keaton Slovis with a big touchdown drive. 
Israel being in Canada making that great tightrope touchdown. You had Kanani Mumfield being key on that drive. You had the O-line keeping him about as clean as a whistle as he's been all game. You had Sarvasi, Dennis, and John Morgan getting sacks. MJ Devonshire with the game-winning pick. You had all these things that happened. And something that I always look at with Pitt is, and I've said this, one of the biggest things that is going to be to their advantage this year is their experience. They have won an ACC championship. They know how to win. They learned that. They they learned that. This is a veteran team with a lot of veteran leaders. And this squad is absolutely built for these Gags games. These nitty-gritty type games that are just battles and and are absolutely wars. And that's what this was. This was a war. You have to have that winning experience. And they did. And they have it. And they have a clutch gene to them. And you saw big play after big play after big play after big play after big play just come up when they needed it. When they needed it in the tough times in that fourth quarter when the big boys come out to play, Pitt got it. And that's a big thing for Pitt this year. In those tough moments, I think Pitt is as trustworthy as just about anybody in those moments because of look at what they did last year. They had won so many of those games. This is a battle tested team they remember last year they didn't just forget that don't forget that they didn't just forget what last year was to this team this 100 percent was a game that pitch showcased that winning gene and that's a very positive sign, folks. You want Pitt to go places. That winning gene has to show up. That experience has to be an asset. And it was tonight. It was an ugly game for Pitt on all three phases in a lot of different ways. We talked about them all. It wasn't great. But you learn while you win. That's the good thing. You don't have an L in the column. You're 1-0. That's the big thing for Pitt. They have a lot to do this week. But I also, and I want to emphasize this, I saw a good team in that team tonight. I did see a good team in there. I saw a really good defense. I saw Keen Slovis. I saw a good quarterback there. I saw him kind of learn a little bit. I saw a good team here. I saw a good offense. I saw a good defense. I saw it all. There's a good team in this team. A really good team. A team that can go back to the ACC championship. I think we shot, we saw that tonight. I really do. Yeah, it was early and they looked rusty and they didn't look polished. I get it. But there's a good team inside this team. Just because they look sloppy this week. Don't give up on the season at all. Don't say, ah, man, they look bad and they're going to be this. No, they're going to progress. This is a, There's a good team inside this team. And they might not have been as crisp today as, you know, all of us fans wanted them to be or whatever. But this team showcased the flashes of talent they had and they have that winning gene. There's a good team right here. I think that we're looking at a pretty solid pit team again. I really do. And so Tennessee's next week, that'll be tough. We'll also make sure to discuss more about the backyard brawl and discuss specific topics about everything we see throughout this game. I'm going to go watch some tape and 
see what I can divulge as well, look up some stats and do all that, give you guys the full context. We'll talk more backyard brawl and what we can learn from this game and some of those positives and negatives and how to fix them over the next week. Folks, as always, thanks for listening. And as always, as we end it here, and a very big one after this backyard brawl win, hail to pit.